The Everyday Style School podcast is brought to you by our collection of capsule guides and style masterclasses. Maybe you're struggling with creating a style that really feels like you, or maybe you're overwhelmed by your overstuffed closet, or maybe you just want an easy, done-for-you wardrobe plan. Whatever you need, we've got a solution for you. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com and use code PODCAST at checkout to take 20% off of your next purchase. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at youreverydaystyle.com. Hello, gorgeous. You're listening to the Everyday Style School podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and I've been dressing real women just like you for over 20 years. Now I'm on a mission to teach women around the world how to create easy, effortless style without confusion and overwhelm. If you're ready to create a wardrobe you love and feel confident every day so you can live the life you want, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Everyday Style School. I don't know what time it is where you are, but there's a pretty good chance you've already been asked, what's for dinner? Sometimes my kids ask that question at breakfast, which can make dinner time feel like a never-ending chore that just looms over the entire day. Now, I think I've shared on the show before that I'm a pretty good meal planner. It helps our family stay on track and to try new things and, frankly, not eat takeout every single night. Some weeks, though, it falls through the cracks, and those weeks involve a lot more stress and a lot more spaghetti. Recently, I got an email from someone about being on the show, and like I always do, I did a little internet sleuthing, this time to the website Balabusta's Secret, and here's what I found. It said, what the heck is a balabusta and why do I want to become one? A balabusta is a mom who, after a crazy demanding day, has no need or time for Martha Stewart's precision or perfection. Without adhering to rigid rules, she knows how to whip up quick and delicious meals her family actually wants to eat, having conquered the what's for dinner demons once and for all. Then she serves it up with a side dish of family fun and clever conversation. Yes, actually enjoying your kids at dinner. Really. Sound exhausting? Impossible? It's not. If you know the secrets, it's easier than you think. When I read that, I knew I had to have this balabusta on the show because I believe mealtimes are so important to building strong families, but sometimes it's just hard. Anything that can make my life and your lives easier is an absolute 100% yes for me. So today I am thrilled to welcome the founder of Balabusta's Secret, Linda Letterman, to the show. Linda is a kitchen confidence coach living with her husband, two hungry teens, two dogs, plus a menagerie of deer, foxes, and chipmunks in her backyard. She's the owner of over 1,000 cookbooks, a graduate of Ruby Cooking School and the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and has countless cooking courses from the International Culinary Center and National Gourmet Institute under her belt. When she isn't helping busy moms rid themselves of their dinner demons, She can be found hiking, seeking out new adventures both near and far, or staying close to home, creating memorable meals for her family and friends. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the Everyday Style School. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. 
So I'm really happy to have you here today because mealtimes are supposed to be this like really wonderful family bonding time. And I really do believe that they're so important to families to be able to sit down and gather together. But for most families, for most women, this is like a really stressful time of the day. And I always find myself kind of irritated that it takes me all this time to cook a meal and then everyone devours it in like seven minutes and then we're just done. So I am really, really thrilled to have you here to talk about how to make mealtime a little bit easier and how to make it um, a better experience for our families, one that that is encouraging and helps get everybody closer rather than just devouring food and then going our separate ways. So before we get started, can you tell us who you are and how you got started in this? Sure. I'm Linda Letterman, and I am the creator of Balabusta's Secret, the keys for living a luscious life. And life should all be about wonderful times, wonderful memories, and making things delicious. So the way I got started was probably back in high school when I had a mom who was a horrible cook, uh, <laughs> did take out twice a week at least, and um, in high school I rebelled. I said, Mom, your cooking sucks. I hope I can say that. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so I said, your cooking sucks. And she said, all right, smart Alec, you start cooking. And she bought me the joy of cooking, and she said, each week you have to pick out a recipe and make it. And just tell me what it is, and I'll get the ingredients. I said, fine. Well, I was so bad. After three attempts, I was banned from ever cooking for my family again. Oh. So I'm not, I'm not one to take um, no sitting down. So I, deter I got determined. I said, I'm going to learn how to cook. And so I enrolled in cooking classes. Uh, at this point in my life, I have probably over 1,000 cookbooks. Yeah, where do you store all those cookbooks? Can I just interrupt? How do you store a thousand cookbooks? I have a big house. <laughs> Apparently. Um, actually, I have an office that's all bookshelves. All the cookbooks are there. Sometimes I steal some shelving space on my kids' bookshelves. Um, okay. But I And I rotate them. Some books I've gotten that have either gotten out of favor or don't have recipes that I want to make anymore. So they're not all on my bookshelves at this point. They're just nicely in my heart. <laughs> but anyway, so I got all these cookbooks. I became a good cook and the go-to cook. So when my kids would have friends over, it's like, oh, what's your mom cooking for dinner? I wasn't the mom who was always just bringing in pizza when people were coming over. And the more my kids got older and the more I socialized with my kids' friends' parents, I was seeing that they weren't, the parents weren't making dinner and they weren't having dinner conversation or the kids were doing so many after school activities. It was no time to sit down at the dinner table and it was breaking my heart. I grew up in a place where even if my mother was a bad cook, we played games at the table. Mm -hmm. We had lively conversation. It's a huge skill for kids and adults to learn how to communicate, how to share their feelings, how to share their day. And the worst thing in the world is to sit at a dinner table and say to your kids, how was your day? And they say, fine. And you say, what'd you learn in school? Nothing. And then there's nothing to talk about. So I was determined to make a change in that because I think family meal time and family communication is so important. Yes. Yes. So how did you start your business? I had to start with learning the technology because that's not something I had as a background. And then I just started thinking <laughs> yeah. about, well, what do people need to know? What is it that they're missing that they can add easily to their life to make it more meaningful and more fun? And I would talk to friends and, and built my business around that. 
Love that. So tell us, why is dinner so darn difficult? Like, why is it so hard? There's a meme that's out there that I absolutely love. And it's a mom talking to her kid. And she says, I would do anything for you. I would lay down my life for you. But do I have to cook you dinner every single night? And I feel like most parents, most moms out there can really relate to that because it's like, Every dang day they want to eat. What is up with that? <laughs> There's another meme that says, you want dinner again? Yeah, exactly. Want, okay. Exactly. Yeah, every day. <laughs> oh my goodness. Every day. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this cooking. Um, <laughs> but there's so many things that you can do, um, but you have to know what you're doing. And so I think that's part of the problem that moms don't know the shortcuts. They don't either have the cooking skills or don't know them or don't know how to apply them in an easy way. And they look at the cooking shows on TV or on TikTok or on Pinterest or on Instagram. And it's so damn complicated yeah. and it doesn't have to be. And you don't have to start from scratch every day. So my first advice is always know what you have in your house. So know what's in your pantry, know what's in your refrigerator, know what's in your freezer. Know what's going bad because I've been known to have some science experiments going in my kitchen, you know, and <laughs> you, you want to use those things up first. Okay. But how the thought of knowing what's in my pantry and my freezer and my refrigerator, that's already stressing me out, Linda. <laughs> how do we easily know what we have? One way to do it is when you go to the grocery store, put what you use most frequently up front. And it's insight mm -hmm. in mind. So you know you got to use it. Put your perishables up front. You know they're going to go bad. Don't put those, you know, vegetables in nowhere's land and then wonder why your refrigerator smells. So put your fresh things up front, your readily used ingredient up front. If you've got a pantry that's monstrous and overwhelming, you might want to just start when you take out your garlic, when you take out your oregano, Put them together if that's what you use on a frequent basis. So start putting liked items or likely used items together. So when you have to cook something in a pinch, everything's within arm's reach really quickly accessible. I use plastic bins, uh, lucite bins, and I put spice combinations near each other and then I just take out the bin and it's all there. I'm not going through 50 items in my pantry looking for that damn garlic that I bought three times because I forgot I had it. So... Yes. I, I, I think I probably have four or five little things of like ground mustard because I don't use it that often and I can't find it. So I'm like, I'll just pick up another, I'll just pick up one. And there's not enough time in the world for me to use all the ground mustard that I have accumulated totally yep. over the years. So as you start organizing, you don't have to do this big over, you know, overhaul at any one moment, but if you make those little small increments about think about what you're putting back where each time you use something, over time, it'll get better. Because if it's going to be too much of a task for you, you're not going to do it and you're going to go nowhere with it. So little steps, plastic bins to sort things. Another really easy thing to do is um, start making spice blends. So if you're going to make tacos at night, you can either buy a pre-made taco spice or take those damn spices you have and use them, put them in a little Tupperware, mix them together, and your blend's there. So you're making your taco one night, you just take the blend and put it in your, your chopped meat with onions. You're not looking for things and wasting all that time. Love that. Love that. So I know one of the ways we can make mealtime a lot easier is through meal planning. And I am a big meal planner. It's the only reason my kids don't eat spaghetti. 
every single night of the week, right? Because we ha- we always have a plan. And when we don't, we eat a whole lot more spaghetti and takeout. So can you give us sort of some tips on how to make, if you're not a meal planner and you don't know where to start, what are some good ways to start with meal planning? Absolutely. So personally, I used to think of myself as wonderfully spontaneous. I, w- I was proud of it. So the concept of meal and planning kind of didn't sit well with me. But there are things you can do to make it easy. Number one is look at your calendar. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. What is your family involved in? Are you running late that day? If you're running late that night, don't plan on a complex meal. So know what your time frame is to begin with. Number two is you don't always have to cook something different every night. You can do something called batch cooking. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's say you were going to make chicken tiki masala one night, and it sounds complex. You can buy a tiki masala sauce at your grocery store, saute some chicken, put it in the sauce, put it over rice, boom, 15 minutes you got dinner. So if you're making something like that, for example, make twice as much rice, Mm -hmm. because the next night you can take the rice and make fried rice and put something on top of it. Fried rice is best made when the rice is old. So you already made the rice, make enough so you have it for the next day. Next day you go Asian. So that's one thing to think about is batch cooking. Make things in bigger batches and repurpose them another night. So your kids aren't saying, I'm having that again and have a fit. Well, one thing I found, like when I'm cooking ground beef, don't cook the pound of ground beef that we need for that night. Like I'll do five pounds and then just freeze four. You can easily thaw them out, throw the taco mix in them, throw, you know, make chili out of it. It's that cooking the meat that takes so much time, but it's so much faster if you just do it in, in, in bulk, really. Right. Another thing, if you're doing meat, here's another variation on something you can do with it. My kids absolutely love Asian meatballs. It takes five minutes to prepare. You bake them in the oven so you don't have that splatter all over your stove. And when I take them out, I put them either on pad thai noodles, which are uh, Asian rice noodles with a peanut sauce. The mm-hmm. peanut sauce takes five minutes to make. But the next night, I can take those same Asian meatballs and chop them up and change the seasoning a little bit, meat's already cooked, and put them in lettuce wraps and give them with an Asian slaw on the side. Or I can use them in my kids' lunches the next day as a um, uh, on a hero sandwich with some Asian coleslaw or some spicy mayo. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so many ideas, and your kids eat so much better than mine too. <laughs> I'm just gonna well, say. you know, it's it, it, it's funny because it's hard to get kids to try anything, let alone like it, let alone like it more than once. Because sometimes they'll say, "Yeah, this is great," yeah. and then hate it the next time. But one thing that I do is I try to involve my kids in either trying a new ingredient, like go to the grocery store, okay, and say, "Let's try something we've never had." And all of a sudden now they're enrolled in the project. And so that's one thing to do. Yeah. That's so funny. My kids really like vegetables from farmer's markets a whole lot more than they like vegetables when I just bring them home from the grocery store. So, well, they're fresher and they, they kind of see that it's cool and different and they're involved in picking it out. And I think that, you know, I think we bought last year, like purple Mm -hmm. bell peppers, my little one loved them. She thought that was really fun and exciting. Whereas if I had tried to slip bell peppers in something before, she probably wouldn't have been as um, enthusiastic about it. So now we're actually doing imperfect foods. Have you, are you familiar with that? Oh, absolutely. That's fantastic. That's a great thing to do. Yeah. 
and it's kind of, um, for those who don't know, it's things that would not have sold at a grocery store because, um, we got some carrots and it, all it says when you order it is like, you know, odd size or out of uh, size range. These things were so huge. It was actually comical, but you get things like that, or you get tiny little apples or you get, you know, broccoli that there was too much of whatever it is, but it's kind of like stitch fix for produce. Really. It's it, you get stuff and, and you get to try it. It's, it's a lot of fun. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but if you're trying to get your kids to try more things, um, mine have really found this fun. And one of mine is not a vegetable eater at all. But while we're on that topic, Linda, what do you do with picky eaters? How, or do you have any tips to encourage them to try new things? I sure do. Um, I'm not one to make 50 different dinners because my kids don't like what I'm cooking. Yeah. Um, I think that for me personally, it sets a bad tone for the kids and you're not encouraging them to try anything new. So if you can think of a way, there's, there's a couple of things you can do. You can distract them at dinner time by making dinner fun. So they eat while they're playing games at the dinner table or making rhymes instead of talking at the dinner table, whatever it is. If you can distract them over the fact that they may not like what they're eating, they're actually going to eat because they're hungry. So that's a little sneaky back way of getting things in. You can also have them rate your meals. And I do this all the time when I want to try <laughs> a new recipe or something. And I'm, you know, I'm experimenting because I just like to throw things in the pot sometimes. And I first thing I say to my kids is, okay, you got to taste it. And then they taste it. And I say, is it a thumbs up or thumbs down? And don't take it personally. You know, you're really asking because you want to learn. Yeah. And I can get plenty of thumbs down. And so my next question is, well, what should I do differently next time? And now you're getting the kids to think about what they're eating, the taste they like, the flavors they might like, how to improve it. And now they're engaged in the process. So they may take another taste and say, oh, you know, this is so bland or it's too spicy or it's too much garlic, whatever it is. But now they're eating it for a different purpose. And you're also getting conversation at the same time. I love that. I think... I have one of the pickiest eaters I've ever experienced. My little one won't eat sandwiches. No sandwiches of any kind, not peanut butter and jelly, not, she won't eat any meat other than like tacos and chili, but not a hamburger. She won't eat grilled chicken. She won't, what else won't she eat? Grilled cheese. She would not touch that for anything, but loves quesadillas. I mean, it is so hard. And I am, I just was saying to my husband this morning, like, we have to stop this because normally we'll make her something easy, you know, like she can have yogurt or she can, she can kind of make something on, on her own, but I'm getting really tired of it. I'm getting really tired of it. And it doesn't seem to be getting better as she gets older. It's kind of getting worse. So, so, you know, you know, one thing that you could do with that, if you want to make chicken, make a, put out a couple of spice blends in um, a little bowl and have her lick her finger and taste it and say, what do you think you would like to have on mm, this? Okay. And then make it with what she picks out. You could also put them, you could do the same thing um, instead of making a sauce. A lot of times you can make chicken if you marinate it in a, um, a salad yeah. dressing she might like. So you can incorporate ingredients that she either picks or likes and put it on something that she's a little resistant on. Yeah. No, she doesn't like any sauces. <laughs> Won't <laughs> eat ketchup. Like, she's crazy. However, she loves roasted broccoli and, and kale. Oh, yeah. Which, if you have the pickiest kid in the whole wide world who will not eat a grilled cheese, but she's like, Mom, can we have roasted broccoli? Uh, okay. You know, so, you I, know, you could use a big kale lap, uh, a kale leaf, as um, 
a sandwich wrapper. And so you can put your insides in the kale, and she might be more likely to eat it that way if she doesn't want to eat the bread in a sandwich. What nine-year-old would rather have a kale wrap? Well, she likes kale. <laughs> I know, right? Weird. She's weird. All right. Well, thank you for taking that little side journey to counsel me on my, my picky daughter. I'm sure there are people listening, though, who are struggling with the exact same thing. Now, the second part of dinner. So part of it is the food, right? What do we get on the table? How do we get it on, get on the table? All that good stuff. And you have so many great recipes on your website, right? You have so many good ideas for, for us to check out. So if you have listened to any of this and you're like, oh, I got to go see what she's making, good, good stuff on your website. And we'll have all the links to that. So the food is one part of it, but connecting with your family and the conversation is the other part of it. How do we encourage dinner conversations? Like you said, how was your day? Fine. It's kind of just a a shutdown. So how do we do that differently? There's a couple of things. There's many things you can do. One is there's stupid holidays every day of the year. And there's calendars that have it. I'm going to be putting it on my Instagrams, on my website, on my Facebook. You can find out what they are. You can make your dinner around that theme, and then it gives you something to talk about. For instance, April is National Poetry Month. Well, I announced that to my kids, and they looked like I had horns and green skin. I'm sorry, it's National Poetry Month, did you say? National Poetry Month. So I said to my kids, who are probably a little bit older than your kids, but it works with any age, I said, you have to come to dinner with a poem. And the groaning you could have heard across the country. What are you, out of your mind, mom? I said, listen, a poem doesn't have to be something that you were forced to read in school. It could be a rap song. It could be a nursery rhyme. It could be something you write. It could be anything. You have to come to dinner with something. Well, my son came with a poem that said, I hate poetry, that he wrote himself. (laughs) My daughter um, did some bawdy limerick that embarrassed everybody. (laughs) And my husband wrote a rap song that was so ridiculous, but it had us laughing all dinner. But you can do that with kids of any age. You know, you can have them pick your favorite nursery rhyme for Poetry Month or your favorite TV theme song. They're all poetry if you expand how you think. So that's figure out what day it is and and do something with that. That's so fun. That's so I just wanted the other day I was talking to a friend of mine and we were sort of thinking about like the beginning of the coronavirus lockdowns where we were all at home and and I was saying that I don't look back on any of that fondly like oh my gosh I I just want to forget that happened. But one thing we did because we were together so much and running out of things to talk about was one family member would pick something, just a random topic. It could be wine. It could be antelopes. It could be owls. It could be history, whatever. And everybody had to bring a fun fact about that. And it became, we would try and either come up with the most inappropriate fact, because that's my family or, you know, the most outrageous fact, but it did become kind of fun. And I was, I don't know why we stopped doing it, but it was really hysterical. And that was a good chunk of the dinner conversation was talking about, you know, antelope facts or wine facts or whatever. It was really, really fun. I don't know why we got away from that, but I was kind of reminiscing like, wait a minute, that was a good thing. That was an actual really good thing. It's at the point where my kids come down to dinner now and say, what are we playing? Because we we have a stack of, if you have like a Trivial Pursuit game, depending on the age of your kids with cards, 
just ask the cards a question. You know, you don't need the board. You know, you have so many games that your kids probably never play that you can somehow adapt to doing at dinner time. So that's something. We used to do Mad Libs at dinner time some nights. There's a, a game called Headbands, and you don't have to buy the game. You could buy it, and or you, you can make it yourself. And you just print out a couple of pictures. So depending on the age of your kids, you can make a picture of a house, a shoe, an apple, a whatever, you know, a tree, and you pass them out. And the, everybody puts it on their head with the picture showing. And so the person who's got it on their head, they don't know what their picture is. And everybody else has to give them clues so they figure out what the picture mm -hmm. on their head is. Well, so you fun. can get really creative, depending on the age of your yeah. kids, about what you're going to use as your pictures. I love that. We have the little, we have a lot of sets of the dinner conversation or conversation cards for kids. Yep. And yep. It's my little one who, who gets them out the most. She loves those. And, you know, we have to buy new sets all the time because how many times can you answer like, what's your favorite memory? What's your favorite holiday yep. tradition that we have as a family? But they really do encourage conversation. And what I love is when we have other people over for dinner, whether it's the kids' friends, my nieces and nephews, to get insights on new people and, you know, new thoughts and ideas. I absolutely love that. But I love, how old are your kids? Uh, my daughter is 15 now and my son is 18. And I will tell you, he brought his first girlfriend home for dinner during uh, the semester break. And the first thing I said was, I have to warn you, we play games at the table. And she played and it's exactly what you're that. But I love that that your kids come to the table saying, "What are we playing?" Like it's just the, the expectation that you've set at your at your table that that is a time to connect and play and have fun. Yep, and you'd be you'd be surprised what you'd yeah. learn about your kids that come up in that conversation, which is the very stuff you want to learn without asking them directly. I love that. I absolutely love that. Are there, is there anything else we can do to get our kids to talk to us? Are there any questions we should avoid asking? I know like, how is your day is it, it's a throwaway question because it can be answered with the word fine. You know, it's kind of a joke with my girls. They come home and I say, how was your day? And then I go, eh, at the same time they go, eh, that is all I get out of them. Both of them, they answer the exact same way. But if I ask different questions, like, what was the best thing about today? What did you struggle with today? You know, we have, I get more than one answer, one word, not many. But right. But sometimes those aren't really fun. It, it, well, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, which, which you can, but you, but you can make them fun and still get the information. So one of the things that we also do, depending on the age of your kids, is if you still have a dictionary these days, open up a dictionary and pick a word. You can plan it in advance if it's a topic that you think that you're, kids going to need to talk about without just saying, how did that make you feel? So you have to guess the definition of a word um, and then discuss it. Oh, learning at the table. That's fun too. Yeah. But you'll get some of those emotions and feelings about what you struggled with, depending on the words you actually pick for them to discuss. So I will tell you, my family is big nerds and I do grammar lessons at the table. And... <laughs> Oh my God. We, you know, we used to do euphemisms and mm -hmm. this was, that was actually a really fun game. And we played it when my kids were really, really little teaching them about different euphemisms. And I think my daughter, my younger one was about three and she used to call them foofamisms. And I just missed <laughs> the word foofamisms so much, but Aww. you know, she, she knew what bought the farm meant when she was three. <laughs> 
Oh, you're a woman after my own heart. <laughs> and you know, we like you said, your your daughter wrote a body limerick. I mean, I think my my kids push the boundaries of nine and and twelve quite a lot. But I I don't know. I think we see each other really as people, not just disconnected, you know, family members. They see me as a person, not just mom. I see them as a person. And I do think those kinds of dinner conversations have helped us connect in um in a more relatable, more personal way. So I, I love that. I, and I love the fact that your kids are 15 and 18 and you're still doing it. I love that. You know, here's another fun thing you could do with your kids. Yes. Yeah. I'll give you the last, uh, last one. You could do round robin stories. And the way that works is you start out once upon a time, there was a man or a woman who blank and you give them like two sentences. The next person has to add to that story. The next person adds to the, what was already said. And you keep going around the table because that story is going to go in a million different directions, depending who's adding the next section. And you could put it on, you could start with a topic that, Maybe something they're doing in school if you want to be scholarly, or you can just be something really ridiculous depending on the age of your kids. But it's an also, it's a great way to get conversation going. Plus, learn where your kids' heads yeah. are. What they add to the story is probably pretty telling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Love that. Okay. So let's talk to the moms and the dads who are listening, because I know a lot of husbands listen too who really, really hate to cook and they don't know where to start, but they want to get better at it. They want to create these good dinners. They want to create, you know, these good family experiences. I have to say when, when you said that you cooked for your kids' friends, it's always my goal. Someday I want to be the mom where all the friends gather. And I do believe good food could help that. So oh, it makes a big difference. I bet it my, does. My, my, my kids' friends say, can your mom make that special taco and fajitas that she makes, <laughs> you know, when they come over for dinner? They, they have their own requests at this point. Okay. Yes. That is the mom that I strive to be. So <laughs> let's talk to the mom who wants to be that person, but, you know, burns water. Where, right. where do we start? What do we do? So start out really, really simple. Uh, you always have to have your, your basic foundation know how to cook a piece of meat, know how to cook a piece of fish. And you can easily cook, let's say you're cooking salmon, rule of thumb, 10 minutes per inch. I like to undercook mine a little bit, so maybe nine, nine minutes. Throw some seasoning on it, put it under the broil for nine minutes, you're done. See how you like it. See how your family like it. Do that question, what would you change? What should I change? You could at some point put some uh, honey and soy sauce and maybe a little ginger and garlic. And now you've got teriyaki salmon also done in under 15 minutes. So start with some really, really simple things. I want to learn how to cook a fish today and pick a really simple recipe. Get that under your belt. Don't try to cook something new every single day of the week because you're going to burn out and you're going to hate it. Pick something else the next week until you get a repertoire of a handful of recipes you can do well. Once you have a handful of recipes you can do well, you can start exploring something else. Again, it's really basic. Take your basic chicken or your basic meat or your basic tofu or tempeh or plant-based, depending what you're eating, and just start simple. You could just change something with a homemade salad dressing, a homemade spice blend, and just broil it or saute it, roast it. And that's it. And see how it goes over with your family. 
Are there any good besides knowing how to cook a piece of meat well? And I think that kind of hit me. Like I need to figure out how to cook steak well when it's not summertime on the grill. I always struggle with that. I need to figure that one out. But are there any go-to, easy go-to dinners that you can recommend that every mom or dad should know how to make? Simple one. I'll give you a real easy pasta one. So you boil your pasta, you dice up some garlic, you dice up tomatoes, and depending on what kind of cheese you like, it could be feta, it could be Parmesan, it could be mozzarella. You just toss it in the pasta when it's done. The heat of the pasta is going to melt or blend in the cheese. It's going to warm up the tomatoes. And if you really want to get your kids' vegetables in, if you slice up spinach or kale, that heat from that freshly cooked pasta will also soften it and flavor it. Boom. You've got your vegetables and your pasta in one dish, one pot, 10 minutes. Oh, I love that. I love that. And if you can cook a piece of chicken on the side, that's even, there you go. Yeah. That's amazing. Or um, throw your leftover chicken if you batch cooked it. Well, that's a good or point. Shrimp. It's actually great. It's great with actually shrimp and you can make shrimp in five minutes or 10 minutes in either the broiler or in your pan. So there's a million things you could throw on top of it. So here's a question I have because everyone always says, oh, you can make it in 10 minutes. It always takes me longer to, I mean, all of like the getting out the ingredients, the, all of that, for some reason seems really overwhelming to me. Is there, are there any hacks to make, make a 10 minute pasta, really a 10 minute pasta? Yes. I don't know. First of all, don't waste so much time looking for the ingredients, get them organized. Okay. <laughs> that, was, you know, okay. that goes to the beginning because yeah. that's a time suck. You know, it's just a time suck. Where the heck did I put the pasta? Is it in the garage? Is it in my cabinet? Do I even have it? You know, do I have to go to the grocery yes, store? Right. You know, so those are time sucks that you don't really think about. But again, if you plan ahead and you know what you have, it's going to be that much easier to cook it faster. Okay. You could also you could also do some of your vegetable prep during the week at one time. If I know I'm going to cook things that are going to need onions all week, you could chop a whole bunch of onions, put them in separate bags or, or uh, can containers in your refrigerator and they're already chopped when it comes time for you to make your dinner at night. I make a big, big salad when I go grocery shopping. The first thing I do is I have a huge Tupperware. I line it with paper towels. I put my salad ingredients in it, put paper towels on top and cover it. It lasts for over a week. Really? Yeah. The only thing you can't put, don't put your cucumbers in it. Don't put your tomatoes because those are water-based vegetables. And so it's going to make everything soggy, but anything else, put it in there and so if I'm making something, let's say I'm grilling a piece of chicken or a piece of fish, and I, I don't want to make any side dishes, I'm really tired, I'm running late, take out the salad, put the salmon on top of the salad, put the chicken on top of it. If you're making tacos one night, that salad is now the fillings for your taco along with your meat or chicken or fish. So it's already made, it takes no time at all as you're unpacking your groceries to, to wash everything and put it in that big Tupperware and use it many different ways during the week. That's a great idea. I think it is just really planning ahead and getting some of that, the little, the things that add up, the little things that add up, if you can sort of get those ahead of time done, then the actual meal planning and and prepping isn't quite as difficult. And, And at some point, the more you do that, the less you technically need to meal plan because you'll know how to use what you already have. That's really good advice. Do you have any tips to make grocery shopping easier and and less time consuming? Absolutely. So when you're making your list, just don't write things that come down out of your mind on your list. Make columns or make areas on your list. 
This is what I'm going to buy in the produce area. This is what I'm going to buy in the meat department. This is what I'm going to buy in the dairy department. So you're not going from aisle one to aisle five, back to aisle one, back to aisle four, because you're going through your list. If you make your list in an organized way, you'll be able to shop much quicker. The other thing is that most grocery stores are laid out in the same manner. Your produce and your fresh goods are usually to one side of the store. Your meats and chickens are, and possibly fish are towards the back of the store. All your processed foods are in the middle. Mm -hmm. my, my recommendation is try to avoid those processed foods, mm -hmm. but at least you know that they're in the middle. So do your bulk vegetables and your meat buying and then see, okay, what else do I need to supplement it with? If you knew it was in your pantry and your fridge and your freezer, you already know you have the spices. So don't go down that aisle. You know, you, you don't need to go down every aisle every time. So organize your list by area of the store and organize your list by, if you are meal planning, you already know what you want to make. So you already know the ingredients you'll need and you'll already know the ingredients you have. That's great advice. I actually have um, just a template that I use for the grocery store, and I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes for everyone. If you want that, that's something that I've been doing for years. Um, I will share that with you guys. All right. So Linda, this has been so fantastic. And I hope that women are really encouraged to cook a little bit more, to make mealtime a little bit less stressful, more fun, and really, really, really connect to their kids. So I think we've given them so much good stuff to think about, but is there one thing you'd like our audience to take away from our conversation today? Just either a, a quick actionable tip or, you know, a big theme, anything that you really want them to put in their, their minds and their hearts and take with them. I, that actually is because this is really the core of how I view most of what I do. Make the ordinary extraordinary with ease, speed, and fun. I love that. And I love making the ordinary extraordinary because there are so many opportunities that we just don't take to make things just a little bit more special. And mealtime doesn't have to be something we just rip through in seven minutes. And some days it is, but maybe some days it doesn't have to be. I just, that is, that is such great advice. So tell us where we can find you on the internet. And I know that you have something for our listeners as well. So tell them about that. Sure. You can find me um, at balabustasecret.com. That's B-A-L-A-B-O-O-S-T-A-S, secret.com. You can find me on Facebook at Balabusta's Secret. You can find me on Instagram at balabusta.secret. Fantastic. And I have for uh, your listeners today a, a PDF called Quick Dinnertime Sanity Saving Tips. And in it, you'll get sample pantry, freezer, and refrigerator staples, ideas to have fun at the dinner table, quick idea meal prep. So it's a wonderful guide, and it's a great way to start your journey on making dinner fun. And they can grab that on your website, Ballot Boost is Secret. And then what's the address for that? Dinner uh, hyphen time hyphen sanity hyphen sanity saving tips. Please put that in your show notes. Yeah, we will absolutely. If you are driving, don't stop and remember that. Just go to our show notes. Just go to youreverydaystyle.com slash podcast and you can find this episode. So we will have all those links that, I mean, that guide sounds like basically a recap of our conversation. So 
if anyone is is thinking, oh, I, I wish I, I want to remember that. I want to remember that. Sounds like it's all in there, which is fantastic. So Linda, thank you for being on the show today and just helping us to look at mealtime in a new way, a more fun way and um, a, a time for our families to really connect and communicate. So thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. It's my pleasure. And everybody go out there and have some fun with your family. That's right. Ladies, enjoy your meals this week. Enjoy your families this week. And we will see you next time. Hey, friend, thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to head over to the website for any links, downloads, or resources we talked about during the episode. Go to youreverydaystyle.com slash podcast and find the episode you're looking for. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our email list. You'll get a weekly style tip as well as links to my favorite product of the week to help make style even easier. It's an email you'll actually look forward to getting, so don't miss out. We'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.